This morning, we're going to do things a little bit different than normal. I want to speak to you in a little different manner than normal. And what I feel impressed to do today is to talk with you about renewal in a manner that I would describe as sort of a pastoral explanation or an exhortation to us as the body. I want to describe and hopefully better explain for us the vision of this church, uh, our vision as the body of Christ here at Bethany in the last several years. And my prayer and my hope is that you'll understand it more clearly. And that as a result, we'll be able to move forward and the Holy Spirit will unite our hearts in how we ought to move forward as a church family. And that we would be stirred with a revived passion for the kingdom of God, for the growth of his kingdom in the Pioneer Valley, and to the mission for which he has called us. Now, I know that some people may roll their eyes when they hear pastors start talking about vision or mission because they think that it's just the pipe dream of the guy that's been put in charge or something like that. It's just something he thought up one day when he was sitting alone and every church is supposed to have one. And so, yeah, I guess we'll come up with a vision as well. But I don't think that that's what vision is. Vision is not something that doesn't relate to the overall life of the church or, or that doesn't relate to your life. That is, that isn't applicable. It should be applicable. And I sincerely hope that I can communicate our vision, the vision of Bethany Assembly of God, to you this morning in a manner that doesn't incite this kind of ocular gyration, if you know what I mean. An eye roll, an ocular, okay, we're moving on. First off, I don't think vision in the church is about accomplishing the dreams of an individual. The vision of this church isn't that the church could grow and we could get a really good band uh, that may gain us a little bit of notoriety and then I could write a mediocre book and get on national speaking tour and then maybe make a TV appearance or something like that. I'm sorry if I just ruined some church's vision, but that's not our vision. The vision of the church is a description of the next steps of fulfilling the church's mission. And the mission of this church is to glorify God by preaching the good news about Jesus so that lives are transformed. In other words, the mission is to make disciples. That's the mission of every church, or at least it ought to be the mission of every church, and it is our mission. Our vision, though, is how we are going to get better at this place, in this time, at what God has called us to do in making disciples. How are we going to accomplish that? What are the unique ways that God wants us and has positioned us to be doing that as a community? Our short-term vision is renewal. And you've heard this, you're gonna hear it more this year, renew hunger, hope, heart, and hospitality. Those are the four areas of focus that God placed in front of me when I began uh, pastoring about just over four years ago, four and a half years ago, and as I was praying into the fall, those are the four areas that I felt impressed that we needed to work on. We needed to renew hunger, a desperation and dependence on God and his presence, particularly through prayer and a desire for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want to renew hope, a collective spirit that is leaning forward in expectation and faith that God is not done with us, but has more for us to continue to do, that the best is yet to come. 
We need to renew heart and increase focus on the mission of God abroad through missions giving and short-term missions trips and, and increase focus on evangelism in our own region and renew hospitality by caring for the needs of one another, particularly through connect groups, and by caring for the needs of those who come from the outside and showing them the welcoming love of God. Renew hunger, hope, heart, and hospitality. And I've tried to communicate these things over the last several years, and I believe that I've had some degree of success. But have you ever had the experience of thinking about something, something that you understood, but then you suddenly had an epiphany and it got all the more clearer to you? Something happened, you heard something, you were reading something, and and suddenly what you thought you understood, you grasped in a deeper way, a way that helped you to understand, I I think I I get better now, I, I understand deeper now what God was saying, what he was doing. Renew hunger, hope, heart, and hospitality came alive for me that way in the past couple of weeks. Had an experience recently, I was reading a book called Dynamics of Spiritual Life by Richard Lovelace, and it's a book about the theology and the history of revival or renewal in the church and how to prepare for renewal in the present. And in the introduction, Richard wrote this. He said, renewal, revival, and awakening trace back to biblical metaphors for the infusion of spiritual life in Christian experience by the Holy Spirit. Usually they are used synonymously for broad-scale movements of the Holy Spirit's work in renewing spiritual vitality in the church and in fostering its expansion in mission and evangelism. Reformation refers to the purifying of doctrine and structures in the church, but implies also a component of spiritual revitalization. Renewal is sometimes used to encompass revival and reformation, and also to denote aggiornamento, the updating of the church leading to new engagement with the surrounding world. That was a light bulb statement for me. A moment of clarity because that is exactly what our vision of renewal at Bethany is about and what I've been trying to communicate, however effectively, over the last several of years. We have a vision of renewal. And that encompasses a couple of things. It encompasses revival and reformation. It encompasses the the work of the Holy Spirit stirring hearts toward a spiritual sort of newness in their inner life and bringing new life to things that were dead. But it also encompasses reforming how we disciple people, the ministries of the church, so that revival is not a flash in the pan, but is sustained over a long period of time. That's Renewal. Renewal is new wine being put into new wine skins. Revival is new wine. Reformation is a new wine skin. And if we can use the language, and this is what I sensed from the beginning, but I've recently been able to understand and grasp even a little bit better. Renewal, the word that we're choosing to use, is a statement that we need and desire both revival and reformation. But the vision that we have needs to be sustained. I want you to think of it this way. How many of you enjoy fireworks displays? 
whether it's the 4th of July or it's New Year's Eve, they're always fun. Where, where I grew up in the Midwest, laws regarding fireworks were a little less stringent than they are here in the Northeast. And the church that I was a part of every year, we actually ran a fireworks stand. We sold fireworks to raise money for Speed the Light, which provides uh, automobiles and, uh, and equipment for missionaries. And usually we would be selling fireworks until late in the evening on the 4th of July. And then we would take some home and we would shoot them off there in the street. And on more than one occasion, the uh, police showed up to tell us we were disturbing the neighbors. I like fireworks just like you do, but I realized something about fireworks as I was purchasing them for myself and as we were shooting them off. You can blow up a lot of money very, very quickly with fireworks, can't you? And usually that's why when you go to an amusement park or when you go to a a city fireworks display, often you realize this doesn't last very long. Why? Because it's expensive. And they're big, they're beautiful, they're bright, but they end quickly. And that's what fireworks are like. Often we think of revival like this. We think of revival like a fireworks show. It's big, it's loud, it's bright, but sadly, it's over quickly. We think of it like a series of services that are sustained for a little while and then they're over. We think of them like like, uh, something that burns bright and hot, but then it's gone. It's a flash in the pan. But I believe the Bible teaches us to expect more than this. And while revival is necessary and that burning brightness is necessary, it should also be sustained. And so I want you to think, rather than of fireworks, to think of a bonfire. Because a bonfire can be big, it can be bright, it can be intense, but it can also last. And while it may go through periods where it's big and bright and other periods where it recedes slightly, if you keep feeding that fire, it will continue to burn brightly. That's renewal, revival plus reformation. It's continuous. It's not just momentary. It doesn't just burn bright. It burns long. It's the expectation built on prayer that God's spirit will work mightily to bring about supernatural things among us, reviving our hearts through repentance and holiness and urgency for God's mission, coupled with the reform of organization that will aid in ministering to the saints and equipping us to make disciples as we are revived. Reformation and organization may not be the flashy parts, but note what happened when the early church faced a crisis that threatened to divide the church and distract the apostles from their intention and mission to preach God's word and to pray. They organized, that is, they reformed the way that they were doing things. They organized the first deacons to serve the needs of the church, and that reformation of how they did things resulted in this, Acts 6-7. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Reformation resulted in ongoing renewal among the Jews. So continuous renewal is composed of what we think of as revival and reformation. Why am I sharing this with you, though? Because my light bulb moment went a step further. Because in the same book, I quoted to you just a moment ago, Lovelace gives a diagram of the essential elements of renewal, and that looks like this. There are some preconditions for renewal. It involves the preparation for the gospel through an awareness of the holiness of God and an awareness of the depth of our sin. 
And there are some primary elements that need to be involved. We need to understand justification, sanctification, the indwelling Holy Spirit, and we also need to understand the authority that we have in spiritual conflict. But there are also some secondary elements. The secondary elements are mission, following Christ into the world and presenting the gospel in proclamation and in social demonstration. Prayer, expressing dependence on God individually and corporately and expressing that dependence on the power of his spirit. Community, being in union with his body in micro-communities like connect groups and in macro-communities like the large group gatherings we have on Sundays. Disenculturation, being freed from cultural binds. This not only includes the idea of separation from culture in holiness, but understanding that there may be new forms and new ways that God wants us to engage culture. What he means by this is there are new wineskins that God gives for various periods of history. And theological integration, having the mind of Christ. I believe that we have many of the preconditions and the primary elements necessary for revival in our church, especially through our teaching and preaching ministry, though there are always ways that we need to re-emphasize and re-encourage people in the various aspects of the gospel message and the core of what it means to be a believer. We preach the gospel, though. The whole gospel of salvation by God's grace through faith and the sanctifying, empowering work of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to draw your attention to this morning, though, are the secondary elements of renewal, the outworking of the gospel in the church's life. Because when I looked at this chart, and maybe you don't see it, and, and you're like, oh, why is pastor showing us charts on a Sunday morning? But when I looked at this chart, I felt an intense sense of confirmation for what we have been doing and the direction God has us moving as a church. Our vision may not match exactly, but I want you to consider how closely our vision aligns with these elements of renewal. Our vision starting toward the end of 2019 has been in the next five years, and now we're in that fifth year, that we will focus on renewing Bethany's foundation for an overflow of God's presence in the Pioneer Valley and around the world. And as you know, as I've stated again and again, the four areas we're concentrated on are hunger, hope, heart, and hospitality. Look at each of those four areas with me, if you would. We want a renewed and increasing hunger for God's presence through the Holy Spirit and his gifts. That hunger comes primarily through prayer, by which we express our dependence on God. And we've been working on this portion of the vision, not only through special services that we have during various times of the year in the hope that our hearts will be stirred as we get in God's presence for more extended periods and we hear good preaching and we spend time responding to God like in the services we had recently or when we have Greg and Robin Hubbard or at other times, but we also have been focusing on reforming how we use the times where we're together for prayer in things like our Wednesday night services. Several years ago, we, we began changing how we did that and increasing the emphasis on various kinds of prayer and opportunity for responsiveness at the end of that service. And I just want to say this, if, if you weren't here this past Wednesday, you missed out. You missed a concise and powerful word that Pastor Ken brought us about living the gospel in our lives. I thought it was an incredibly powerful and meaningful time. We had a great response and we call Wednesday the most important service of the week for a reason. And I'd encourage you to be here. But we don't just pray on Wednesdays. We also have second Sunday at six prayer meetings once a month where we have an open style intended to be like 
almost like an extended altar call where you just have an opportunity to seek God and to hunger after him in his presence. We've got one of those coming up tonight. I encourage you to be here for it as just an extension of what we're talking about this morning. We have other prayer events that take place throughout the year and a pastoral staff meets and we regularly consider ways that we can call people to prayer and encourage responsiveness in the people of God. If you don't believe me, ask them. Because probably once a month, we talk about how can we encourage people at the end of our services to respond to what God is speaking through his word. So if you think I'm lying, feel free to ask any one of our pastoral staff and they will tell you. We brainstorm and pray for ways to reformulate times of prayer because we want this to be vibrant and effective and we want to have a sense of expectation and urgency when we gather to meet for prayer. And doesn't this point of our vision sound a lot like that second element of renewal that we saw on that chart? Prayer. We're doing that. We're moving that direction. Consider the second element of our vision, hope. When we talk about hope, we mean that there is a sense of expectation and faith about the future. We are leaning forward. It requires clear vision in all ministry areas, which we have endeavored to formulate and we're continuing to formulate. It means renovating our facilities so that they may remain usable and effective for outreach for years to come. It has meant reforming and reshaping some ministries so that we are, move, we are a more inviting place where you can be confident to invite your friends and that they will hear the gospel when they come. It means leaning forward toward the future with a willingness to continue reforming, or like we like to put it at the staff level, that we want to always be improving for the sake of the gospel. I know this part of the vision doesn't jump out as maybe fitting in one of the points on that chart that I showed, one of the elements of renewal that we're looking at this morning, but I believe it does fit in a couple of ways. First, half of renewal is reformation as we saw earlier. So renewing hope is about a willingness to reform. It is about saying, Lord, we want new wineskins for the new wine that you want to bless this church with. It means we're not stuck on what was taking place in the past, but we are looking forward to what God wants to do now and in the future. Second, it does have something to do with mission because hope is an outward-looking attitude, looking toward what God has for us, not just within, but outside. And much of what we're hoping for has to do with mission, such as our renovated facilities and being a place that you're confident to bring friends where they'll hear the gospel, where they won't be offended by secondary matters about dress or style, hopefully. We often talk about that, do we not? That the one stumbling block that ought to be presented to people very clearly when they come to church is the cross of Jesus Christ. And if there are stumbling blocks that confront them in the lobby because of legalism and moralism, those things need to be removed so that they might confront the, be confronted by the cross of Jesus because he'll take care of them. His Holy Spirit will sanctify them. That is not our job. Our job is to give them opportunity to meet Jesus at the cross and to encounter the work of the Holy Spirit there. And so part of leaning forward in hope is saying we want to reform anything that poses a stumbling block to people hearing the gospel in my life or in our church culture so that they are able to hear the one stumbling block that matters, which is the cross of Jesus Christ, which can save them from their sin. 
The third point of our vision is renewing heart. And I don't think it will be difficult to figure out how this relates to the elements of renewal we are considering this morning. Because renewing heart is all about the mission of God. It's about keeping, keeping to that mission of making disciples. And we want to make that the priority. We want to do this both here in the Pioneer Valley and abroad in the rest of the world. We seek to revive this in multiple ways throughout our year, such as our missions convention or evangelistic services that we host. But we're also reformulating ministries in order to serve this purpose. That's why if you walk by Pastor Mason's door or if you talk with him, his title is not just youth pastor, but it's youth and outreach pastor. It's why he's been helping us to develop cycling evangelism classes by which by which we can learn to better share our faith. By the way, one of those will be coming up in the spring, and I hope that you will check it out. It's why he's currently working on an apologetics outreach in a class for the fall. It's why following COVID, we want to regularly send out more missions trips every year, and why we continue to promote and support the team that annually works with Child Hope in Central and South America, and why we're leading a team to Peru to work with missionaries Bob and Lisa Holloway this June. But I think we've got something here that even the elements of renewal or the chart that I showed you a moment ago doesn't include, maybe it missed. We've got what we talked about a moment ago. We've got a hospitality toward missionaries through missions giving. I didn't want to see missions giving wane, but to grow in the years following becoming the pastor. And praise the Lord, it has. Our faith promise goal at my first missions convention in 2019 was $500,000. And you came through and committed to give more than that, more than we'd ever given to missions in a single year. But the astonishing thing wasn't that you committed to do it, but that even after COVID hit in 2020, and I thought missions giving might fall off, great man of faith that I am, it didn't fall off. In fact, it increased, it grew, and we had a surplus. You not only committed to give more, you actually did give more. And in the years following COVID, even as attendance was slow to climb back up, and there were many changes in the church that caused some people to be upset and not participate any longer, the body has been faithful, and we have been giving nearly $500,000 to missions every year since. I want to pause here for just a moment. Because I know, and, and I, sometimes when you're in the middle of a renovation project, there are sometimes discouragements and detracting voices that will say things like, well, why don't you just use that money for missions? I want to say two things for this. First of all, you can't get a loan from the bank to send overseas. They won't give it to you. All right, that's actually extra. That's not one of the two things. The first thing is this. This is part of mission. It's part of the mission of God in the Pioneer Valley. God gave us that tool, and if you've forgotten, it was in incredible disrepair, and it needed to be updated. And if you were not in the week-to-week -week maintenance of it, stop and talk to Vasili, or if you see Joe, ask him about it. It needed to be done, and we have not pursued it in an extravagant but in a frugal way. The second point I would make is this, that by the time we're done paying off that sanctuary, we will have given so many more millions of dollars to missions than we spent on that thing. It's not even funny. It's hardly worth doing the calculations. We, at, at the rate we give to missions of $500,000 a year, it will not take us many years for us to give way more than we have ever spent on that building. And I would just remind you of that. 
Because we need to not be discouraged in the midst of this, but to be encouraged. God is moving and he's ministering through us and he will be faithful. We saw just a moment ago, did we not? That Jesus himself said, if you receive a a righteous person or a prophet as a prophet or as a righteous person because because of the work they're doing, you will receive that same kind of reward. We are doing that, church. And so we should be moving forward with the faithful expectation that surely as we give to others, God will supply our needs and allow us to be a part of the mission he's called us to do right here in our own backyard. Amen? That's what God has called us to. That's what he is doing. And I believe it. This is talking about a mission of God, a heart that supplies the need of those who are carrying out the Great Commission. That's what we are doing with missionaries. And we can rightly say, he who supplies the need of the missionary will receive a missionary's reward. That doesn't excuse us from not participating here. It inspires us to participate here. And so renewing heart fits exactly into the elements of renewal we're considering this morning because it is all about a focus and intentionality in carrying out Christ's mission. And finally, we're renewing hospitality. Now, this may not seem like it fits with the elements of renewal that we're looking at, but it actually fits quite well both in mission and in community. It aligns with mission because part of hospitality is displaying the welcoming love of the Father to people who are coming to us or that we're going to. And over the course of the last four years, we've made some significant reform as to how we do this, not only by adding a pastoral staff member one, for, for whom one of his primary functions was, and, and when we, when we uh, fill that, that role of connections pastor, we'll continue to be uh, ensuring that we do this well, that we welcome people well, that we are hospitable, but also by revitalizing and re-emphasizing the small community groups that we call connect groups. Every church does community imperfectly, but community is imperative for every church and for every believer. However, connect groups are our means, not only of encouraging genuine fellowship, but also of trying to continually improve it. It is not for nothing that the New Testament refers to the church as the body of Christ, the temple being built up to house the presence of God, or the bride of Christ, or calls us the sons and daughters of God. People who convince themselves and attempt to convince others that they can be a Christian without the church are clearly mistaken. The New Testament makes this very obvious. That's not to say that if you're a shut-in or you don't have access to church through some extreme circumstance that you can't be a, a Christian. It is to say that if you have access to church and you're not participating, there's a problem. And it's not with the church. It's probably in your heart. It's not for nothing that God calls us together. To be a Christian is to be placed into the church. The joints and ligaments of the body, Paul says, are intertwined and hold us together. It is to be a place of encouragement, support, supply, care, friendship. That is, it is to be a place of genuine love. Of course, it's hard to genuinely love hundreds of people. Real love requires personal concern and care for others. So we have smaller communities. 
But those connect groups are not there only to be a place of friendship and fun. The vision is that they are a place where you grow in prayer, where you encourage one another and spur one another on to use the gifts that God has given you, where you pray for revival together, where you encourage one another to remain faithful, where you are accountable to one another, where you stir one another up to love and good deeds. I want them to be a place where when you have a need, you don't just call the church office, but you have a brother or sister whose name you know and who has already expressed concern for you that you call them and say, I have a need. Will you pray with me? Will you help me? Can you sit with me? Will you meet this need with me? I want there to be a place where you rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and you help to meet needs. I like to put it this way. We want everyone in a community that meets needs, spurs growth, and stirs hearts. Maybe you're not as excited as I was when I made this realization that our vision fits with this outline of both historical and biblical renewal. So let me see if I can get you into my headspace as I looked at this. When I became the pastor of Bethany in 2019, I could see that there were some changes that needed to be made in attitude and culture, as well as in organization. I began to pray about where to focus, and the the word that I was impressed with was this word renewal, because it implies that there have been some really good things going on, and that those have given us a strong foundation for what God wants to do in the future, but that we need to press ahead and make some changes, or how we've put it more recently, deep roots new fruit. And as I surveyed the church and prayed about where to focus, hunger, hope, heart, and hospitality are the areas I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit and that stood out to me where we needed to focus. And over the last four years, we've made significant changes and strides in both revival of attitude and culture as well as reformation of organization. Then over this past year, we embarked on what I knew would probably turn out to be the capstone of all of this, the renovation of our main sanctuary and lobby. And it's a big project. And with big projects come ups and downs and delays and discouragements. And we've certainly had those kinds of things. And I confess that at times, it feels a bit heavy. And sometimes there are so many details going on that it dominates my thinking. I can get caught up in all the little distracting details and lose sight of the force for the trees. And then at the beginning of this new year, As we're in the middle of a a time of renewal and fasting and prayer, I'm sitting on my couch in my living room and I'm reading what I think is going to be a historical overview of some revivals paired with some points of what perhaps we could do to apply these insights and experience revival. But instead of just reading what we ought to be doing, I begin to read and turn pages and I'm reading our vision on these pages. I'm reading what God impressed on me years ago that we needed to do. And I'm beginning to say, God, could it be that you have orchestrated and are confirming again what the the work that you wanted to do in this season, what you wanted to accomplish? I'm not just reading what we should do. I'm reading what we've been doing. And my heart leaps. It's a confirmation from the Lord. Granted, there are things we need to do better and lessons that we have to continue to learn, but what an encouragement to realize that God has spoken to you and you're on the right track. You're going where you need to go. That you're following a a biblical outline 
for renewal that has been proven throughout the history of the church. Can you imagine that? I hope you can. Because this vision is not just my vision. This vision is our vision. This is what God has called us to do. And so I want to close by talking about an element of vision that I think is decisive in whether vision is successful or it fails miserably. It's the idea of unity. Read Philippians 2, 1 through 3 with me. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit and intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. I love the way that the New American Standard Bible translated the phrases, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. I want that for our church. I don't just want it because it's nice, though it is nice. I don't just want it because it makes my job a lot more enjoyable, though it does do that. I want it because I believe it is the best God has for the church and that it's how he wants us to function and because a church united in spirit and intent on one purpose that is laser focused on the mission God has given them, thoughts lined up in the same way to accomplish the same purposes will be powerful in building the kingdom of God and increasing his presence in the Pioneer Valley. We will be like an army marching to his orders Hearts aligned, loving God, knowing his love for us, and loving one another. Vision is not about one man's dream. I really need you to get a hold of that this morning. If we want to see genuine renewal, it can't be my dream. It must be our dream. We must be united in spirit and intent on one purpose, true, God has given me the job of preaching once a week, but he has not just given me the job of preaching once a week. And he has not given you the job of listening once a week. This is so important for vision. If we desire renewal, revival, and reformation, we must get rid of the idea that we go to church and adopt and embrace the idea that we are the church. The priorities of the scripture are not my priorities. They are our priorities. The ministry of the church is not for the pastors. It is for the body of Christ. Making disciples is not my job. It is our job. God has called you into this body and renewal cannot happen as long as we are thinking about church as a social group or an event or a place where we go to host the things that we like to do or to meet the people that we like to see, but we think of ourselves as a family engaged in a similar purpose, or maybe better, a battalion of soldiers stationed at an outpost in a particular region. When you are a believer in Jesus, you are not on mission when you come on Sunday or when you participate in an outreach event. You aren't united in spirit and intent on purpose once a week. This is a new identity for you. This is a new family for you. It's a new purpose. And if we want to see God's, God move among us, then we have to grasp that. And that means that the vision is not my vision. It is our vision. It's true someone has to articulate it. 
and remind us of it over and over and over again. And that ministry has been given to me. But the church is not composed of spectators in the vision. It is composed of participants in the mission and vision of God. And so this morning, I want to encourage you in one of three ways. And we're going to get ready to take communion, and I'm going to ask our worship team to come, and we're going to take communion as a kind of response, but I want to encourage you to respond in one of three ways. And in just a moment, um, I'm, not, I'm going to ask you, you don't need to move right now, but in just a moment, I am going to ask you to move, and I'm, I'm putting these three responses all together so that nobody feels like you're being identified for which one you know, you're responding to. People will just know you're responding to the call for vision and renewal. Here are the three responses. If you're on the fringe of the church, maybe you attend a little bit, you come now and then, or maybe you attend every week, but you've never really gotten involved in it. You don't see the vision of the church as belonging to you. You're not sure how you fit in the body. You've never had the stirring of spirit that says, I'm not attending church. I am part of the body of Christ. And I need to be involved. I need to be praying for that vision. I need to be serving toward that end. I need to have the heart of God's mission to make disciples at the center of my heart as well. That's you. You're on the fringe. And this morning, in just a moment, when I call for the response, I'm going to ask you to respond and to say, Lord, I don't want to be on the fringe. I recognize that the vision of the church is not his vision. It's our vision. And I want to be a part of that. Maybe you're well connected to the church, and this is the second response. You're well connected to the church. Maybe you're involved in certain kinds of ministries that you love and you enjoy, and, and you're serving the Lord well there, but you haven't enthusiastically embraced what God is doing now. At one time in the past, you embraced what he was doing, but you've struggled with what God may want to do in the future, the changing of forms has caused offense in your heart. And you're recognizing this morning that if we want real renewal, it can't just be a revival of old forms. It must be renewal or revival plus reformation. It must be new wineskins to hold new wine. And you want to respond by saying, Lord, if I've held on to old forms, cultural things, cultural Christianity that I grew up in that doesn't really relate to what you're doing right now, doesn't hold the renewal you want to bring, would you cleanse my heart and would you break those old forms that I might receive the new things that you want to do? And would you help me to adopt this vision as mine? The third response is this, you've been participating in the vision, but you simply want to reaffirm your participation in a unified work that you desire to be a part of. You're saying, once again, just reaffirming, recommitting, Lord, I'm a part of this body, and I want to be a part, not just by listening, but by participating in what you're doing. I'm going to ask if you'd stand with me, and if you're in one of those three groups, you're on the fringe, or you're well-connected, but you need God to renew the forms to reform you, or you've been participating, but you just want to reinforce that and, and renew that this morning, I'm going to ask you to do this with me. Would you grab your communion cup? And if you're able physically, would you make your way forward and join me so that we can together in a spirit of unity take communion together? If you're in one of those groups, 
You're saying, Lord, I no longer want to be on the fringe. You're saying, Father, I need you to reform my heart, to reform the ways that I think about doing ministry for you. You're saying, Lord, I just want to recommit to say, I'm a part of the vision. I'm a part of what you want to do. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and make your way. If you can squeeze in a little bit, we got a little bit more room forward, closer to make room for others if they want to come. This morning, the Lord, in his sovereignty, as he always does, works out perfectly how we ought to respond because communion is a reminder that we are right with God by faith. Amen. That we are justified with him. And revival or renewal can't happen because we make it happen, can it? I mean, we read in the scripture what we ought to do. We should pray. We've been doing that. We fasted. We seek the Lord. But we ought not think of these things as if, okay, now God must move. Now he has to because we, we did the formula. God is sovereign. God, God cannot be manipulated. But he does say that if we'll, if we'll trust him, if we'll seek him, he will respond. How he does it, when he does it, that's up to him. But we just respond by faith. That's what we have to give to God, which is not a work. It's just faith. It's believing what God did. It's believing his work. And so this morning as we take communion, I want to remind you, you're right with God by faith in him. You are not renewed with God because you did anything. You're renewed with him. You're right with him because of what Jesus did on your behalf. The second reason communion is so fitting is because communion is undoubtedly a symbol of unity, is it not? Jesus' body torn that we might be made one. Jesus' body sacrificed that we might become the body of Christ. Each of us different, each of us unique, but each of us put here to accomplish the purpose and vision that God wants to do among us. Amen? Would you take the bread and hold it in your hand? I remind you that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, he passed it among his disciples, and he told them to take and to eat because this is his body. Heavenly Father, today, we thank you so much that you sent your son, Jesus, and we thank you that he really came in the flesh, and we thank you that because Jesus overcame in the flesh, we know that you have justified us and made us right with you. Lord, we thank you that we can recall today that even though we approach you in weakness, we also approach you in confidence because we do not come out of what we've done or the way we've made, but we come through the way Christ has made, through his body. The veil was torn open, and we thank you so much that you have made that way for us. And today, Lord, we're asking you that just as you sent Jesus and Jesus prayed, Lord, make them one even as we are one. We ask, Lord, that you'd make us one. We pray, Father, that you'd unify our hearts in a, in a new way. Lord, I pray that our love for one another would increase and it would be sincere love. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be able to be a body of Christ sustained and, and built up every joint and ligament held together with the work you're doing in us so that we are able to be the body you want us to be. We thank you for that and we remember Jesus who made this possible. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's take the bread together, church. You can open the cup. And I would remind you that in the same way, after supper, after the last supper, Jesus took the cup. He passed it among his disciples and he told them, take drink because this cup was a new covenant in his blood. Jesus, we thank you for the new covenant that we have. We thank you that it's a sufficient covenant. 
for every need. And we thank you, Lord, for the continued application of that covenant through your Holy Spirit who dwells in us and works among us. And we ask this morning, Lord, as we take communion again together, that we would be reminded that we're brothers and sisters because of the blood of Jesus, that what binds us is not preference, it's not the culture we grew up in, it's not our skin color, it's not our, it's not our uh, political preferences, that what binds us is not our uh, musical styles or whatever else, God, that sometimes we confess gets in the way. But the blood of Jesus shed for our sin. We thank you so much for that blood. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup together. Allow me to pray for you, church. I don't often write prayers, but I felt impressed to write so that I might remember this. If you just bow your head, and we're going to close with this. Heavenly Father, we know that you sent your Son, Jesus, to make us one, one with you and one with each other. We know that you call us your family, your body, your temple, your bride. We know that your intention for us is that we would be a holy people set apart for you. We also know that Satan would love to divide us because it would keep us distracted from your mission. He would love to bring in a legalism masquerading as holiness that would lead to anger and gossip and bitterness and unforgiveness that brings defeat and division. He would love to bring in pride that causes us to think that our ideas and preferences and opinions and righteousness are better than others so that we cannot love one another and walk in unity that would lead to victory. He would like our love for you and one another to be flaky and insincere. He would like us to argue over secondary matters and focus on worldly things so that we will be ineffective in the mission of reaching this valley. And Father, we confess that we are sometimes easy targets for his ploys. Our flesh rises up, sometimes unnoticed. Sometimes we don't even see when we have become influenced by the world and its ignorance of you. But today, we know that there is encouragement in Christ because he shed his blood for our forgiveness and was raised as the first fruits so that we have an assurance of victory and eternal life. We do have the comfort of love because your love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And though imperfectly, we do experience your love flowing in this family of God. There is participation in the Spirit because we have seen people redeemed and set free. We long for a greater move of your Spirit, but we know you are moving and so we take heart. And there is affection and sympathy that I have seen expressed in this body even recently as I watched brothers and sisters minister to the love of Jesus us to one another in difficult times. And so since we are assured of all these things, we are confident to ask for greater things. We ask that you would help us to be of the same mind. We're not asking that we would be pushovers or yes men or that we would, we would affirm what is wrong merely to keep the peace. Instead, we ask that you would get all of us on the same page, on your page. Would you move us off of our agendas and onto your agenda? Would you help us to lay down our priorities and let your word give us new ones? Would you make us of the same mind to serve you? We ask that you would help us to have the same love, Father. We confess that our love is so thin and it needs to be strengthened. We confess that our love is not as sincere or full as yours and so we ask that you would teach us to love. Help us to have the same love for one another that you have. Pour out a spirit of sincere love for one another on us. Unite us in spirit. 
Help our desires and goals to be aligned as well as our passions. May we collectively be stirred to what you want and to want what you want. When our desires are out of line, correct us. Help us to stir one another up with passion for you and make us intent on a single purpose. Father, so often our purposes are divided. We make our own agendas. We have our own ways of doing things. We wish for change on our own terms or that things could stay the same because that's how we like them. But Lord, we ask that you would help us to recognize your purpose and be intent on it. Let us develop such an ironclad intention for your purposes that we are not easily moved off of what you have called us to do. May we see your purpose with greater clarity and hold to it with increased tenacity. We know that we cannot do this without renewal. We ask that you would send us the revival and reformation that we need. Move us today. Stir us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Thank you for being with us this morning. I trust that you will go in God's grace and peace. And I want to invite you to come back just for a time of continued prayer and response to our vision this evening at 6 p.m. when we gather for prayer. Until then... Go with God's grace.